millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Hello, my name is Brian Wellman. I currently live in Tennessee, but uh, in September of 2019, I was visiting Moab, Utah with my dad on vacation, and we were in Canyonlands National Park. Uh, I had uh, taken an online night photography class, and I wanted to take some Milky Way photos, so we did. A, we decided to go out that night and do that. We had... Uh, one last night where the moon was going to be down about, I can't remember the exact time, around 10.30 at night. And then we should have, uh, you know, a pretty good night sky. It was cloudy and raining in some areas, but it was clearing off. Um, we did still have some clouds, but uh, not really bad. Uh, we, uh, My father was sick that night, um, and we were trying to decide when we were going to go. I wanted to sleep a little bit and then get up at like 2 or 3 in the morning and go. But he thought since he was sick, it would be best to go early in the night and then he could sleep uninterrupted uh, and hopefully feel better. Um, so we headed out to Canyonlands probably between 9.30 and 10. Um, I know we got there before the moon was down. Uh, I had set up my camera beforehand and um, all the settings that I needed for uh, some Milky Way photos. I had the camera on a tripod, etc. Um, so we got there and we, we just drove into the park. We were going to look for a, um, you know, a good place to set up where hopefully we wouldn't have uh, any cars or anyone around. Um, so we ended up driving into Schaefer Canyon Overlook, which is uh, quite a nice overlook there towards the east um, as the moon was setting to the west behind me if I remember correctly. Um, so I was set up, I had the tripod pulled out, and uh, I had just, had just practiced taking a couple shots as I waited for the moon to go down. Um, shortly after the moon went down, actually before I was really taking any photos, I noticed um, you know, coming from kind of the southeast, um, a streak in the sky. And I didn't think much of it, thought it was probably a shooting star or, or you know, a meteor. And I went back to getting ready to take some photos. And uh, wasn't within, <clears throat> it was within a minute, probably, that um, I saw a streak in the same general um, area in the sky. So I, I stopped and I looked and I noticed uh, three lights, which I thought looked like they were in formation. And I thought, wow, that's a UFO. So I ran over to my dad. He was sitting in, sitting in the car because, um, again, he didn't feel well. And uh, I said, hey, Dad, I think we got a UFO. <clears throat> and he said, yeah, I've been watching it. He said it... Uh, it came over um, this kind of like cliff or, or hill there um, and had moved slowly. And then a couple times it streaked um, into a position where it was probably, uh, you know, degree-wise from us, probably 75 degrees in the sky there. So we watched it and it uh, moved a little closer and slowly in. And... Uh, Again, at, at that point, I thought it was three different objects. So we watched it a little bit, and it uh, it moved around and made some incredible movements. Um, you know, streaking through the sky, uh, it was completely silent. It looked like it moved back and then back kind of close to where it was before a couple of times. And uh, really interesting. Um, directly due east, 
there was a white light, very bright white light in the sky. And I was talking to my dad, and he said he had seen that almost since we had been there. And at times he thought it was maybe someone with a flashlight, um, maybe someone with a real bright light. But he watched it for a while, and it was making really erratic movements. And uh, he said he actually watched it for, for quite some time, didn't know what it was. Uh, so we, you know, I saw that UFO off to the side, to the east, and then we had the one that had come from the southeast. Um, they each had, like, different color lights. The one <clears throat> that had kind of done streaks in had whitish-blue lights. Um, again, at this time, I thought it was three different objects. Then the one that was the bright light to the east was just looked like one bright white light. And it moved very erratically throughout the canyons. Um, it looked like a ping-pong ball. It was moving so fast and erratically down and in and out of the canyons. Um, just fascinating. We had no idea what that what that was. Uh, it was about this time that I noticed three red lights, and they were kind of in the east too. And they were um, again looked like something in formation, and uh, that's that's what I thought it was that they were in formation. At one point, they looked like they did a pivot and plunged towards the ground, which it really caught my my breath because I thought, wow, it's that's going to explode into the ground. And uh, they just disappeared. There was no no sound, nothing happened, no explosion, and they were gone. Uh, they would reappear, uh, and you know, within a few minutes, and I saw that one again. So, um, you know, at times there were three different UFOs in the sky at one time that we that we were able to see. I remembered I had a small pair of binoculars, and I I got those out of the car and I put it on, put those binoculars on the first one that had come in, which it had stayed pretty much in the same spot, you know. With, um, besides moving back and forth uh, a few times. <clears throat> and it was then that I realized that it wasn't three different craft, but it was one triangular craft. It was a, a black triangle with the white bluish lights on it. Um, so I gave my dad the binoculars, and we both took a couple turns looking at it. Just an amazing sight through the binoculars. Uh, I also put the binoculars on the one that was towards the east, uh, the white, the bright light, the bright white one. And I noticed when I had binoculars on it, it was also a, a triangle. The white light was so bright. Actually, three lights were so bright, it looked like one bright light. But it was also a triangle, and it was uh, the one that was bouncing around within the canyons. Um, I found the one with the red lights on the corners, and uh, again, another triangle. Um, this this uh, this encounter, this these uh, triangles were there for, for two hours, the, the time we were there. Um, during that time, uh, I had taken an online class, so I was really determined to try to get some night nice sky photography, which I was able to do. Um, unfortunately, I was only able to get some photographs of the white one um, as it was silhouetted um, on the LaSalle Mountains, which were due east from Canyonlands. But we did uh, observe those tr those uh, triangles for, for within those two hours. Uh, I saw a lot of weird, erratic movements from them. Um, they were able to streak what looked like miles across the sky in a fraction or a second. Um, they would even look like they disappeared and would appear in another area. Sometimes it looked like a just big streak of light and they'd appear, you know, at the end of that streak. I never saw a center light. My dad did notice with the one white one that was really bright that it pivoted what looked to be vertical and it turned and he saw a white light in the center fire on and it looked like when that light came on it propelled itself across the sky so i did not see that but he did and i thought that was a very interesting uh, observation i would have liked to have seen it but um i continued to watch them the white the one with the bluish white lights and the one with red lights interacted for a while the white one had pulled back again and i noticed they looked like they were kind of rotating around each other i'm not sure what they were doing um, kind of like orbiting each other or, or just, you know, flying around each other. That lasted a little bit. We observed that with binoculars. I did, again, try to take a couple pictures. Those just did not turn out. I didn't see anything of the other craft. The only one I saw any pictures of was the one that was with white, bright lights. So, again, you know, the I uh, didn't really feel any fear. Uh, it was more, this is amazing. Um, they did kind of circle Felt like we were being uh, surrounded at one time, and I felt a little, you know, a little apprehension there. I was like, wow, we're, we're completely surrounded. But I knew at any point, you know, with the sophistication of what we were seeing, that they could do anything they wanted. Again, my father was sick, so 
around midnight, maybe a little after, we decided to go ahead and wrap things up and, and go. The craft were still there. They were still maneuvering through the canyons and up in the air. I, I'm not sure what they were doing. I speculate uh, that they were mapping or were doing a reconnaissance of the area. Um, I was in military intelligence. That it just looked like they were really gathering information of the terrain, um, which the white one, was again, was in and out of the canyons um, and all over. So I don't know if it was mapping. The only two things that could come to mind for me is they were mapping or doing a reconnaissance or they were looking for something. So I'm not sure what they were doing. We left. We started driving down um, from Canyonlands, coming off the, the ridges there. And I do remember, you know, talking to my dad. I was like, I... You know, I just was looking and wanted to make sure we didn't have any lost time, which, you know, I, I don't think we had any lost time at all. Just an incredible encounter with uh, three uh, three UFOs that lasted, uh, you know, at least two hours there, almost two hours. Um, but it's something I'll never forget. I reached out a couple of things. I reached out to an author, Dave Marler, who has written a book about triangles, which if you read the book, they've been cited for many near, many years, not just since the 70s. But going back through time, um, I also was in an episode of Unidentified. Um, they did an episode on black triangles. Uh, I stayed anonymous there. I was just uh, was apprehensive about you know putting my name out there. But now I you know I realized it's you know it's nothing nothing to to hide from you know as far as my name. I don't mind that people know, and I'm more than happy to answer questions that anybody would have. Um, but that was interesting being on that episode of uh, Unidentified. Um, they did a really good job, but there were some things they left out, some things they kind of twisted around, I guess, probably to, to try to make it a more interesting story. But, um, yeah, it's uh, season two, and it's, uh, you know, the one on Black Triangles. Um, thank you for your time. Bye. Hi, I'm Lee. I live in Manchester in the UK, and I'm 35 years old. I was around... Eight or nine at the time, um, I was travelling in a car from Blackpool to back to Manchester. In the car there was myself, um, my brother who's two years younger than me, um, my mum and my dad. So we were driving down a country country road on the way home. It was pitch black, um, we were the only car on the road from what I remember. The car we were driving in it was an old Vauxhall Astra and it had one of the old sunroofs that they don't think they do anymore. And I just remember looking up, uh, seeing this black triangle in the sky. Um, so I said to my mum, look at that, mum, what's that? So my mum looked up, she she said, I don't know. I remember shaking my brother to wake him up because he was asleep at the time. Unfortunately, I don't remember what my brother said because it was a long time ago. I remember my dad asking what was what's going on, so my mum told him. However, he couldn't really do much except carry on driving. So as we looked up... It, we watched this object for around two minutes and then it just disappeared. No sound, no lights, it, it was just gone. It stuck with me ever since and I still bring it up now to talk about with my mum and she she remembers it vividly as well. It's just a shame we had no recording equipment because back then it was just the big camcorder things that we, we had but we didn't really we didn't carry it at the time. So that's a bit of a regret. I don't remember feeling scared or frightened, I just remember looking in amazement more than anything. And ever since then I've been interested in UFOs and UAPs and anything to do with space. And it's left me 100% convinced that we're not alone. When I get an opportunity I always look up to the sky to see if I can see anything else. And But unfortunately I've not seen anything since. Thank you Ryan for giving me the opportunity to tell my story. Um, I know it's only short. Keep up the good work on the podcast. Uh, keep looking up. Hi, my name is Kyle, and uh, this is my sighting. In 2003, I was living in the town of Belvedere, Illinois, and my brother and I were playing um, horse in our driveway, and we had a uh, hoop that was on our garage, and it was facing west. And my brother had tossed the ball in and it bounced off the hoop. And I go to follow the hoop with my eyes as it goes into the trees. And I see this dark, charcoal-colored, triangular shape. And it was probably 2,000 to 2,500 feet in the air. Uh, almost, almost directly above and to the front. 
or to the west of us. And it didn't have any like solid edges. It was all rounded on the sides. And the back, and in the back, in a recess section, there were uh, two like circle nozzles on each side, and a longer uh, elongated oval in the center. But it was like recessed inside of the that flat that edge of the triangle. And I looked at my brother, and I was like, what's that? At the time, I was really interested in, you know, our modern jets and uh, mostly World War II aircraft. And I was like, I, I've, I've never seen anything like that. And uh, that weekend, we were supposed to go to our grandparents' house. And um, we did. And I we talked to my, my step-grandfather about it, and we spent two hours on the internet trying to find something that matched our description, and we never found it. And shortly after that, I started having bouts of um, sleep paralysis. I would wake up in the middle of the night, and I would be frozen, and I couldn't move my fingers or my toes and I couldn't scream, and it was really hard, and I didn't know what to do about it. Um, I continued having the sleep paralysis for, for years after that, and I eventually just figured out that I had to relax and breathe and close my eyes and focus on moving things that, uh, to get my body working again, and... Um, shortly after the first incident, I was getting off the bus with my friend Nick, and as we got off the bus, we saw these two jets chase something that was smoldering in the air, and we asked our reading teacher the next day, who was a uh, Air Force reservist, and she said that if she didn't know anything about it, she'd ask, and we, of course, never heard anything, but after that... Um, I started having real vivid uh, lucid dreams and uh, that's something I still have to this day I, I don't correlate these incidents and put them together but it seems that it's something that happens to people who witness the dark triangles and yeah that's that's what happened to me Hello, my name's Michael. Um, I'm originally from the United Kingdom, from a place called Liverpool. Um, I migrated and I now live in Perth, Western Australia. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to tell you what happened to me and my girlfriend at the time, who went on to become my wife. Um, the event took place in... 1997 I actually know precisely when it took place it was the 28th of March um, I'll tell you a bit more about that why I know the date a little bit later um, what happened was we were in a car travelling between um, Formby and Southport in West Lancashire in the United Kingdom um, we were on the way to a party. It was about... It was like early evening. It was still light, but it was starting to um, go dark. And we were quite excited. We hadn't been drinking or anything. We were just on the way to the party because we were driving. Um, and we were on like quite a... It's quite a rural road because it's, it's on the coast and Southport's like a sea, seaside town. Um, as we're driving, I was listening to the radio and it mentioned that Hal's Bob Comet would be visible in the Northern Hemisphere skies um, that night. And I was intrigued by that, mostly because several days beforehand um, the cult members from the Heaven's Gate sect had committed suicide and for those of you who 
remember, or for the, those of you who don't, the story goes that the cult members committed suicide because they believed that they were going to be transported onto a UFO that was hidden in Hal's Bob Comet. Now, I'm not making a judgment on that. I'm, I'm just letting you know what I saw anyway. But I was intrigued by that anyway. And that's the one of the reasons why I, I was interested to see whether I could see this particular comet. So as we're driving, I started looking out the window um, just to see if I could see anything as we were driving driving past. And then... As as my wife was driving, I I was in the passenger seat. I noticed something out the side window. And I could see quite a large object in the sky kind of coming into view. So I couldn't quite make it out. So I asked my wife to pull over so I could get a better look. So we pulled over at the side of the road. And literally, it 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 was quite bizarre because I distinctly remember looking trying to make out what I could see and it was quite an overcast day March days in the UK can be quite wintry and it was quite overcast so there was a lot of cloud cover but the clouds just opened up to reveal I couldn't see the whole object I could only see one side of it but it was just enormous I mean gigantic (laughs) like People have asked me to explain how big... I'm talking like half a mile to a mile across. I mean, this thing was enormous. And I couldn't see all of it because some of it was still hidden in the cloud. I did make a report of this many years later to a UFO site. And I've looked at it and I've mentioned on that that it was cigar-shaped. That's not a memory I have now. I may have thought one side of it was cigar shaped, but I couldn't see the whole object anyway. I couldn't I couldn't make out any distinctive features of the object. I couldn't make out whether it was metal, what it was made of. It, it was grey in colour, very bland looking. But what I certainly could see is three-dimensional structure. And I could see it was an object and it wasn't moving. And I remember looking and thinking, how is that object able to stay perfectly still and not move? My wife was was seeing exactly the same as what I was seeing. So it wasn't like a delusion or a mirage. We were talking while we were while we were looking at it. How how high was it? It was quite high, I'd say at least 10,000 feet, maybe 15,000 feet. It was right up there. But it was just giant. The strange thing was that whilst we're watching it, we noticed that there was, I think there was three orbs, like light-coloured small objects, very bright, very intense coloured I think one was green, one was red, and one was yellow. I'm not 100% sure now on the colours, but they were definitely kind of connected to the main craft in the sense that they were interacting with it. And the, the interesting thing was they were basically darting haphazardly across the horizon, the panoramic horizon, and the speed that they were moving, literally one would go from one end of the horizon to the the other in a blink of an, an eye. And I remember thinking at the time, that's not physically possible to move with that speed. It was almost like at the speed of light. It, I mean, it was just incredible speeds. It was just... These things were just darting around the main craft. Again, they looked like solid objects. They weren't lasers. It was difficult to kind of work out how big they were. They were quite small in comparison to the big craft. But that doesn't mean to say that they were they were tiny either. It was just difficult to 
to work out. They were circular, very orb-like kind of objects. We observed this for, I was, I'll be honest with you, I was freaking out. I was so excited. My wife was getting, or my, my, my girlfriend who went on to be my wife was getting quite scared and she was urging me to leave um, because we were going to be late for the party. I really didn't want to go, but eventually after five or ten minutes of watching this show, I couldn't wait to get back into the car because I wanted to get to the party and tell everyone what was going on. We got back into the car, we started driving towards Southport. As we're driving, it was probably five, ten minutes and it was starting to go dark. We were coming into the outskirts of Southport, which is like a, quite a small town, really. Um, and we were hitting some busier roads. And all of a sudden, as we're talking about what we'd seen, there was an enormous flash of instantaneous light within the car itself, which basically blinded us because it felt as if it came in either through the sunroof or the, the windscreen. It lasted about a second or so. My wife, who was driving, was completely blinded and had to do an emergency stop. But then as soon as it hit the car and hit us, the light was gone. It lasted like a second. And... Afterwards, we, I was just, I just looked at my wife and said, did you, did you just witness what I've just witnessed? And she just burst out crying. I mean, it was, the, there's the interesting thing about what happened to us is these are the two most extraordinary things that have ever happened to me in my life. And they happened within a 10 minute period. I'm absolutely certain that Whatever came into the car, it wasn't like a, a faulty speed camera or whatever. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't like a, a laser. This thing took over the center. That the whole car inside the car, we couldn't see anything. We were absolutely blinded by the most intense white light I've ever witnessed. And as I say, after it went, after it had finished, it, it it was gone. My wife, I was so excited. I wanted to get to the party and tell everyone. My wife begged me not to talk about it because she thought we'd be ridiculed because of the taboo nature of this phenom phenomenon. And for some reason, people are just not willing to accept that these things happen. This thing has stayed with me and um, my wife, uh, when we're no longer together now, unfortunately, although we've got a good relationship for over 20 years, 20, what, 30 years. And it, it still strikes me as the most bizarre episode in my life. Um, she won't talk about it. I've tried to get her to talk about it. I think because she doesn't quite understand what happened she'd rather not think about it because it doesn't fit into the way she wants the world to work. What do I think it was? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it was um, of this world because I don't see how anything that I saw, we've got that sort of technology and the speeds that I saw on that day. And then what happened afterwards? Um, there was an element after that we both said that we felt as if we'd been probed and we felt a little bit weird afterwards. There wasn't any time distortion or anything. It was just the light came and then it went. Um, I, I tried to kind of scour and do some research to see if anybody else had seen anything similar that night. But I wasn't able to find any, anything um, that recorded this particular event. As I say, it took place on, I believe, I think it was a Saturday night because we were going to a party 
It's the 28th of March, 1997. The Heaven's Gate uh, cult members had committed suicide, I believe, a couple of days earlier. And um, it was at the time when Hal's Bob um, Comet was was still um, in, in the area. Um, I hope you enjoyed the story. Um, it certainly changed my life. It gave me a fresh perspective on kind of what is important in life. I certainly am a believer that we're not the only um, life force in this universe. And um, thank you, Ryan, for giving me the opportunity to tell this story. What's up, guys? Ryan Sprague here, and I'm just dropping in to remind you about our Patreon campaign. Somewhere in the Skies is always free to consume, but it's not free to create. So if you want to help the show on a monthly basis, we have tons of rewards for you in return, including shoutouts on the show and website, bonus content and episodes, and free merch. Want to be my guest or pick a topic for the show? You can do that, too. So if you'd like to learn more and to help support the show, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Thank you and keep looking up. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, how's it going, Ryan? And uh, Somewhere in the Skies podcast. Uh, my name is Roz, and uh, this is my story. So it begins when I was around 16 years old and uh, I was at a buddy's house of mine and um, we were we were just watching a movie um, in his living room. It was it was around nine o'clock at night, winter time. So it was pretty cold out uh, and it had been dark for a while. And we were, we were in his uh, living room watching a movie, all the lights out. And um, the way his living room is oriented uh you have, you know, the couch is facing the TV and then the TV has two windows behind it. So we were looking at the TV along with facing these windows and the windows had the blinds down. So we're sitting there and then a freaking super bright light that was moving um, started to come through the windows behind the TV with the blinds down. That's how bright it was. So we were like, you know, what the heck is that? Um... And the, the, where my friend lived, he, uh, it was pretty rural and he had a field right behind his house. So our first thought was, did a tractor turn on its headlights or something and they're coming through into the, the, uh, the living room? But we got up, you know, this, this took place within seconds. And, um, so we immediately popped up and, and went out his back door to go check out what it was. And uh, in the sky, around, I want to say two football fields away, is a fireball. 
it is I, I always said it was it was around the size of a, an SUV and this fireball it almost looked like your cliche picture of the sun just shrink down to the size of a minivan and uh, it was so close it was actually unbelievable and it was moving slowly across the sky not doing anything just moving uh, and we we went to a, we went to school with uh, a friend of ours who lived down the street from my buddy and we immediately called her up because it was actually heading right in the direction of her house so we called her and uh, we told her you know you got to go outside and, and look what's coming over your house right now and as she uh, as she was about to go outside the best way I can describe it the the fireball collapsed in on itself um, and was gone. Um, so yeah, that, that is, that is the, the story. Um, and I know you wanted to, uh, wanted me to include how it made me feel. And I think the best way I can describe it is it made me pretty excited. Like I said, this happened when I was around 16. So it was definitely the event that pushed me into getting super interested in the whole, in the whole UFO subject. And, uh, yeah, it made me it made me pretty happy because I love UFOs so much and I'm lucky to be able to have a story of my own. So that is that is everything. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, uh, Somewhere in the Skies podcast. Hi, Ryan. This is Sean and my oldest daughter, Ava, who's 11 years old. Uh, we're from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And on August 8th of this year, we were camping. And we were in Rocky Mountain House, which is a couple hours north of us. And we were heading north towards our campsite uh, when my daughter saw uh, what she thought was an airplane. But she said it looked weird. So she yelled, What is that? Because I was tracking it from when it was in the middle of our windshield to where it was pretty much directly uh, beside me. And uh, so I looked at it. And sure enough, I could see it, and it was about 3,000 feet above us, um, and it was uh, about the size of an airplane, easily, uh, but it was going really, really fast, and I was shocked. I just didn't know what to do. I, there was no one else on the road. It was, it was unbelievable. I had never seen anything like it. Uh, it was completely white. It looked exactly like a, what you would think a double-sided egg would look like, you know, if it had a, the thin end on both ends instead of, like, a thin and thick. Um, it was at about... It was, flying at a 30 degree angle kind of like almost like belly up and it was moving hella fast um and it kind of slowed down uh once we saw it and it had a shimmery look to it almost kind of like it was blurry so it was traveling directly west we went uh i tried to find a spot to pull over i asked my daughter to grab the binoculars that were right beside her she went reached over to grab them and she turned back and she saw it drop a thousand feet straight down and i found a spot to pull over uh and i went to reach over to grab my cell phone um but as i was grabbing my cell phone i was looking left i i saw it actually do a hard 90 straight north into a cloud and then i grabbed my cell phone i was going to take a video now that we were parked and we looked at it and we couldn't find it anymore and uh, my wife, for whatever reason, her she just could not look up. She said she just had this com- compulsion to look straight down. Same with my other daughter. She just they both just could not look at it for some reason. Like Sarah said, it was a plane, and uh, she couldn't look up. She couldn't even look at it for some reason. And now, every time we talk about it, she's quite uneasy. Um, and then Hannah, yeah, for same same reason, uh, she just literally couldn't look up for some reason. So it was, it was kind of weird. So Ava and I were the only ones that got to see that particular egg. Uh, so then that was neat. We were just shocked. C- couldn't believe we had seen that. Uh, so then we continued on to the campsite and we got to the campsite and we told uh, my parents who were camping with us and asked. Uh, we started asking my mom about her experience, which was back in uh, when she was nine or ten. And eight? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she had a close encounter with the third kind, and she said how the way we were reacting was exactly how, how she reacted when she was a, a young child. And then uh, Ava and I decided to draw 
uh, a picture separately of what we saw and we drew the same thing like a double-sided egg almost like a tic-tac but fat in the middle and uh, we even drew I drew like little squigglies around it and so did she so yeah that was our that's our story and then uh, as far as like feelings uh, I've had this obsessive like compulsion now to constantly look in the sky I've had another experience since then and Ava's had how many have you had now? I've had five experiences yeah uh since then uh my recent one was when we were i went out hunting um up by white court in november uh third week of november and we were sleeping in a tent it was minus 20 and we heard i everybody was asleep it was about two or three in the morning i woke up and i f- heard this what's what sounded to me like a swooshing sound i thought it was a plane but it was like a, a swoosh instead like er, the air was swooshing and it came over top of the the tent i could hear it just stop above us and then i fell asleep and then uh when we woke up i remembered it but that's all i remembered and i asked everybody normally everyone gets up to go pee in the middle of the night at uh out uh hunting because everyone's had a a few drinks and no one actually woke up that night everyone said they slept the greatest they've slept in a couple years and it's been really weird. It felt like like uh, these two experiences have made me feel like it. It's almost like watching, but uh, I don't know how else to explain it. I don't know how you feel. I feel fine. It's it's weird because my dad's like was scared, and I was didn't feel anything. Like I felt normal when they showed when they were here. Hi, Ryan. Um, Thank you very much for the opportunity to be able to tell my story. My UFO sighting happened, I think it was like 1997. I was a social worker working in a camp that was for kids. It was basically, I mean, it was basically like a detention center, Um, but it was out in the middle of the desert. Um, It was in Alfreda, Arizona which is very close to the border of Mexico and really just out in the middle of nowhere. Um, So the kids lived at the camp and the staff lived at the camp. And the way it was set up, there was an area where the kids stayed. And then there was like the dorms or whatever where the staff lived. And there was a little path that went from uh, the, the staff housing to the area where the kids lived. And that path was not lit. It was pretty dark. Um, like I said, it was the desert. But there was a little path that went between the two places. So uh, I was walking with another staff member along this path. And I'm just telling you, it it's really dark. Um you can see every star in the sky. Um, it's just, I don't know. I've never, I've, it's never, I've never lived in a place where the sky was really that clear because it's the desert. There's no clouds. Um, and I live in Washington now, so there's always clouds. <laughs> but, uh, but it's out in the middle of nowhere and the sky is just really clear. You can see all the stars. So I'm walking along with this other staff member and we're talking. I have no idea what we were talking about. And then for whatever reason, um, we stopped and we looked up. And I don't know why we did that, but we did. (laughs) And there were three lights in the sky and they were very, very far away. So, you know, we could tell immediately that it wasn't a it wasn't planes. Um, or a plane at the time I thought it was one I thought it was one aircraft um, and that's where these lights were coming from but then they the the three lights moved away from each other and so that was very strange it was like wait a minute and we were both looking at it so we were like what what is that because they they moved away from each other so unless it was like an aircraft that was like stretching I don't know I don't know of any aircraft that does that um it just didn't make any sense so then we knew at that point that we were looking at three separate aircrafts or whatever we were seeing in the sky so 
at this point, we're just kind of standing there and we're not really saying anything. And or at least I don't remember that we were saying anything. And then all of a sudden, um, the lights go back into a triangular formation and they just take off across the sky. And we're like, okay. And I, I don't remember what we said. I don't think we said like, I, I just don't, we didn't say anything of, of significance. I remember the feeling that I had that was like, oh my goodness, like what, what did I just see? It was like, it was like confusion basically. And uh, we just started walking and back to, we were walking, actually we, we started making our way towards the camp, which where the kids were, which is where we were going in the first place. So as we came up to the clearing where the kids were, um, a few of the kids came running up and I remember one of them came and these are like teenagers. Um, and they're like teenagers from the inner city, kids that are there because they had committed serious crimes. Some of them, some of them very serious. And one of the kids came up and he was like, Miss D, uh, did you see that UFO? <laughs> and I'm like, yes. And the other kids are like, did you see it? Did you see that UFO across the sky? And I'm like, yes. And there, there was just like a feeling of a little bit of excitement in the camp. But to be very honest, um, it wasn't like what you would think where people would just be like, I don't even know, like freaking out about it. Uh, they really weren't. It, it was it was like this really subdued feeling of just like, wow, like what did we just see? And also, you know, no matter I, I think what it is, is that, you know, no matter what we saw, we were still in the situation where these kids were um, incarcerated and we were working with them and it was a very difficult situation. And so there was this feeling of like, well, we just saw a UFO in the sky, but it doesn't it doesn't really change our situation. And so it's interesting because, you know, one of the questions that you ask is like, how did you feel about it? And I have to be honest and say, like, I, I, I really have wanted to and been curious. I, I have wanted my whole life to see a UFO. And I've always been curious about them. But in this moment when we had actually seen one, I, I, I don't know how to describe how I felt about it. Because it was almost like, okay, yeah. Like, okay, yeah, there was like a UFO in the sky. And of course there was. And, and, and that was kind of the feeling. It wasn't anything like this big amazement where we're, we're all just like freaking out all night over it. It was like, it was like it was always supposed to be there and we were supposed to see it. And now we just have to get back to this difficult life that we were living at that time. Um, looking back at it now uh, and just thinking about the situation I was in, because I will just say that this camp that I was working at was absolutely a horrible place. And um, there was a lot of abuse there. There was racism there. Um, it was a terrible, terrible situation. And I believe that they are not there anymore, um, which is a good thing. Um, but it was such a bad situation that there was always this feeling that the staff or the people, not the staff, not the regular staff, but the people that were running the place were constantly trying to dehumanize the kids. I mean, basically so that they could justify how they were being treated there. And my job was to advocate for them, which was a very, very difficult job. So now looking back at it, it just really makes me feel their humanity um, even more than I did before, because we were all in the situation like we were all we were all in this terrible situation where there were there were these very clear roles. There were like the kids who, you know, we were supposed to control and, 
you know, their humanity was always being taken away. And then there was the staff and they had like this real dominant position over the kids. But ultimately, we were all human beings. And just looking back at it, that's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of our humanity. That, you know, even though we were in this this little universe together where things were really awful and the roles were really, uh, really unjust, we were still just little tiny humans on the earth looking up in the sky and seeing something that we didn't understand. So... That's how that's how I feel about it now, looking back. Um, thank you, Ryan, for giving me a chance to tell my story. And I love your podcast. It makes me feel like I'm less alone in this world. Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.